I I have to ask you questions about like that too, on okay. or off the record. I, I'm okay down the rabbit hole of recording, and it Good. is it's a whole new world. Oh fuck! It's fun though, right? Yes, it's it's obsessively compulsively fun, and it's it's just never finished. Like. Have you seen that meme? There's this meme that I've seen. I've seen it for. Is it a meme writing. you've seen? Yeah, there's this meme I've seen. New children's book. I've seen it for writing, like mm-hmm. whatever type of screenwriter, novelist, any type of writing. And I've also seen the same image just changed to audio recording. So it's mm-hmm. like all these versions of file names. <laughs> file name is like whatever it is one mm-hmm. two three and then it goes down all the numbers and then it's like final 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 for the last one. fucking time i fucking hate this but actual final final it, rough draft it, there it's just never ending it never fucking ends you fix one thing and then like oh 99 other problems pop well, up for me I'm usually, I'm like, all right, this is the final. And then I'll send it to whoever I'm doing the work for. And they're like, well, let's do this and that and that. I'm like, okay. So like it's revisions. Why? Oh, yeah. But I try to only say final whenever I feel it's a final. Yeah. Well, sometimes the person I send it to is myself. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought it was done. And no, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah. I've, I've had nights where I'm mixing. And I'm like, this sounds great. And then the next day I'm like, oh, shit. What did I do wasting all my time? I know. Well, it's, I feel like you just get so close to it and you're so involved. And, and sometimes when you step away, you know, like with anything you're creating, it has time to sort of yep. steep. That's true. Let's talk about music. All right. Can you tell me, do you have a chronology or a narrative of your relationship with music yes. an overarching like what, sure. what has that been where did it start sure uh well i started taking piano lessons when i was about three years old at the behest of my mom who is a piano teacher um and then i did that for a little bit like you know kids do and then when i was about nine or ten my dad asked if i wanted to get a drum set or a guitar. And I said, I wanted to get a guitar because you can play songs on a guitar. So I started playing <laughs> guitar. I mean, it's harder to play by yourself when you're playing drums. I mean, I guess that would, I got a drum set a few years after that anyway. But so yeah, I would play guitar since I was 10. And then the piano lessons kind of came back whenever I was in high school. I was taking uh, like uh, AP music theory and stuff like that. So I could, and, but I, I, I was the only one in the class. So it's kind of like private lessons for me. So I kind of got back into playing piano and keyboards. And then I went to recording school after uh, high school and now I'm recording. So is that the, is that the <laughs> short the, That's the answer? short of it. That's oh. the short of it. Um, in the meantime, I guess, after I, after I moved to New York and went to school for recording, I worked in some studios for a while and then those started closing down a lot. Um, just because New York real estate and the music industry just kind of falling flat on its face around that time. And so, uh, so I joined a couple of bands for a while 
that was fun. And then it stopped being fun. So I stopped doing the band thing and just went into uh, just recording and producing and stuff. Is that the longer of it? Sure. I mean, you would know. So what stopped being fun about the live music part? Uh, I mean, it wasn't the music or the performing. It's just the the having to run the business of the band and every extra penny you make from your day job goes right back into the band. And after 10 years of doing that, not, you know, not hitting the big time, it starts getting frustrating and you kind of want to, you know, be able to do more than just pay your bills. <laughs> yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar. Mm-hmm. It's funny how you mentioned the, well, the whatever demise, evolution, shift, destruction of the music industry as you know, you knew it growing up and as you trained to go into that, into that field, you know, the same thing happened to me in, mm-hmm. in theater, in acting. And um, yeah, it's, it's really an interesting place to be in where you, you know, because I started performing as a kid, you know, to be an adult and realize, oh, it's gone. That doesn't even re- exist anymore, you know? Yeah. It's, it, and then you feel like, oh, to a certain extent, my, well, at least I have felt at times like, oh, yeah, my training is kind of useless in, in a sense of that, well, that world doesn't exist anymore. doesn't work that way anymore. And, and so like, how have you, you know, come to grips with that for yourself? Like, does it bother you? Is it like, what are you like, how are you navigating the changes? I mean, it's all because of technology, why everything changed. I mean, Napster kind of was the beginning of the fall, but it's just within the industry, you know, like how, how's anyone supposed to know what, is going to be a lucrative job 40 years from now. No, no one's, you know, you go to school with what, you, what you're interested in when you're, you know, a teenager. And then hopefully that turns into, you know, a career. But I think for a lot of us in our generation, a lot of things we went to school for, there's not really a career in that, or it's just so competitive. It's, you know, you're almost just doing freelance work whenever you can. Yeah, that's, well, that's certainly true in the arts and probably, you know, other business Yeah, in its own way. I mean, for, for us, yeah, it's definitely like technology has had a lot to do with it, but I don't know, at least from my perspective, it seems like another component that, that sort of factored in was (laughs) the, 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 at least in entertainment, in on the performing, like acting, whatever, film, theater side of it, it, it technology has changed stuff, but the the way that the industry was working and the hustle required to like sustain a freelance lifestyle mm-hmm. and the expense required to continually put yourself out there and the the entire the entire industry seemed after like, you know, 40 years of it, to, it, I look back and I'm like, oh, it's just an entire, the entire industry is gatekeepers. It's a gate 
kept industry. And you have to go through so many middlemen to just get in a room with anyone who has the capability of making what you do lucrative to you, um, that it is unsustainable. Uh, well, it's, I mean, technology is allowed more artists and more people to do what they want to do. Like right now, just doing this podcast, you know, 10 years ago, you would have had to book a recording studio and, you know, pay for an engineer. And, you know, now, now it's just a simple program. Mm -hmm. So like there's plenty of people doing it, um, which is, could be part of the problem too. Is there's just, you know, it's oversaturation. Back in the eighties and nineties, you know, you had those gatekeepers like MTV and radio and uh, in some ways, it kind of separated the uh, the wheat from the shaft. But you know, then they started you know pushing all this shit that I didn't personally Sucks. like. Yeah, but it doesn't suck to them because they're selling records and people are buying it. So that well, that's a, yeah, that's a whole we just get older and the younger kids listen to different stuff. I don't. Yeah, that. Yeah, you can say that. But there's also kids who appreciate good music, and if it were. To, well, they're finding it in ways, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And and live music is is where a lot of people do that too, which is great. But I don't know. I think what I was trying to say earlier, and like to kind of come back, while the that's how like my industry anyway. Let's just say media in general operates. The technology has made it so that it doesn't need to operate that way anymore. And in fact, it continuing to hold those standards of this is the old way, this is the old guard, this is like, you know, fucking mm -hmm. legacy media. And that doesn't, you know, I don't say that in regard to news or whatever. The entire thing, music, performance, storytelling, it is and has been not... <laughs> the powers that be in, those, in that industry, those industries have not kept up with what technology has allowed everyone to be able to do in order mm -hmm. to express themselves. And so there's this huge gap where, you know, I feel a little in a weird place as someone who trained to do it, who did it in a capacity, mm -hmm. a professional capacity for a while. And then, and now is like, oh, okay. So that isn't really how it works. And it's it's not matching up, so I'm just gonna go with like authenticity and like you know content creation, which is definitely on the rise thanks to technology. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's it just it seems so much of the what is falling away and seems like the death of one thing is indeed a birth of something else, and it's it's mm -hmm. new and has changed so quickly. I mean, music and theater have been around long before there were computers or any technology. It's, it's not going away. It's just, it evolves just like anything. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you have any visions for the future? Uh, I think things are going to get more interactive. I think it's going to be less about, here's my tome, here's my content. Enjoy it, watch it, listen to it. It's going to be more interactive. And I mean... There's already, you know, virtual realities coming out uh, cheaper, so you can kind of immerse yourself in whatever world you're watching um, with music. You know, 
technology just doesn't stop with that. So everything's interactive now. I can I could record a radio quality song on my phone. And that's what these these SoundCloud mumble rappers are doing. They're putting together a little beat, rapping over it, throwing it up on their Instagram, and then they've got the number one song in the next week. <laughs> Gucci gang. So are you going to join in that? As an artist? No. Okay. I, I'm, I'm done being an artist. What does that mean? How are you done? I, I'm done trying to be the product, if that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not the performer. I'm the behind the scenes now. Okay. So what does that entail? So I am helping other artists uh, record their stuff and produce it. And uh, I'm doing more composition for like television. Uh, I'd like to do movie scores, things like that. Sweet. What are you, what are you working on now? Um, well, I've been really getting into like cartoon music, like music for animation. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of working on a reel with a animation company and um, just learning about it because it's a whole. It's not classical. It's not jazz. It's a whole sort of. It's its own genre, I guess. And uh, it was very specific for you know the few composers that worked at those studios. You know, back when cartoons were big. When cartoons were big, when. Like, yeah, like the 60s. 60s? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess 60s would have been... Like Hanna-Barbera, Disney, Looney Tunes, stuff like that. The classics. I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what have you been up to? Oh, uh, <laughs> trying to learn how to record all manner of, of things. Are you recording music? I'm, um, well... I'm I'm writing a song, uh, and so in that I have had to record mm-hmm. music because it's the only way I can remember anything. Mm-hmm. So um, while I haven't been making it a goal to record music, um, it, I have been messing around with recording music. And Good, it, that's how you learn. Yeah, it, well, I, I I just feel like I'm at the I'm at this tiny door to this like huge mansion and I don't even really know what's all on the other side of it, but I'm so intrigued and, I, and I'm wanting to go in. But at the same time, it's sort of terrifying in that I know I don't know anything about, you know, what the hell I'm doing. And it's so fun, but it's so complicated and intense and consuming and... And I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, which is the fun part, believe it or not, for me, because I generally tend to gravitate toward things I have not done before. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the great thing about learning all this stuff is there's a YouTube video on how to do pretty much anything you want to do. So, Thank God. No, you are not kidding. Thank God for that, though. Like when people want to talk about technology and how it's, you know, the source of destruction for whatever. You know, there was a time when I locked myself or what happened? I was in my mom's car and have you ever had the thing where somehow the latch on the door gets moved and the door won't close at all? Not personally, but continue. So this happened to me where the latch on the door got 
jammed out. And so I couldn't close it. So I couldn't drive home because how am I going to like hold this huge heavy door closed while driving? Anyway, uh, you know, back in the day, what the, like we would have had to wait there. I would have had to walk somewhere with my crippled leg in the summer heat all to go, you know, find help, go use a payphone or whatever. But I just went on YouTube, looked it up, and within like a couple of minutes, just like, here, you stick this in here while you hold the handle up, you get yourself out, and I was back on the road. So there you go. It can be miraculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, um, like now with the scoring stuff, because, you know, I, I don't have a full orchestra here at my apartment. So, you know, everything's MIDI. So just learning how to, uh, I guess, orchestrate and do arranging. YouTube's great for that. Orchestrating and arranging. Wow, that's so many levels deep for me right now. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's simple, except for you just have more instruments. Oh, well, that doesn't sound simple at all. In fact, I've been working with recording off and on for like a year, mostly to create a um, some demo tracks for an album that I'm working on that is not music. And so I've just been recording for for content, basically, so that I can hear myself, I can hear, you know, where my um, manuscript is at and editing for me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But in that, I have, you know, occasionally messed around with the sound because sound is really important to me. And 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 I've gotten a little better with that. And then I started doing a podcast. You know, I've done recorded one podcast before this one with one microphone and two people in a really loud, echoey room with cars going by. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't sound bad. I mean, you could kind of hear the cars, but that's how people do podcasts. You know, you don't... You don't need a huge studio. You just need a couple mics and something to record it on. Yeah. How do you or do you have different modes of listening? Because I have found that recording and writing has made me have to adjust into a different frame of, okay, now I'm listening for this and I'm listening as this in all these different scenarios, like as the writer, as the lyricist, as... I'm just listening for melody. I'm listening at the, uh, to the harmonies. I'm listening to the instruments. I'm listening to the, you know, bass line. How do you manage all of those things? And do you have to think of it in different ways? Or can you just naturally hear all those things because you've been doing it forever? I would say probably closer to the latter. Um, you know, if I'm writing and playing and recording, I'm kind of thinking about everything all at the same time. Um, but, you know, when people listen to music, no one's generally not listening to just the bass line or just the drums. You know, people are listening to everything together. So, Well, you once told me, if I remember correctly, that you don't really listen to lyrics in songs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not really. You know, it's, it's a lot of them I can't understand anyway. Um, not not that I can't comprehend it. I just, you know, I'm not listening to the words. I'm listening to the melody and the vocal performance. The words are fine. Um, 
it's the icing on the cake. Whenever I actually do sit down and like read the lyrics and they're good, I'm like, oh, nice. The words are fine. I love it. But I mean, for most people, that is music, you know, melodic words. Yeah, it is. It is for me, you know, it's it's everything for me, but I'm exceedingly verbal. So that's my way into mm-hmm. everything. And that's how most people can relate. They, you know, other people speak the same language as the singer, but not everyone's, you know, as musical. Uh, you know, it's just people like to hear singing more than they want to hear, you know, a beat. Well, maybe like on the surface level, but the surface level of everything's so cheap. Well, yeah, most people are on the surface level. Well, I never thought I would be listening for anything other than just the melody and the lyrics. But now, now that I've been playing and, you know, recording more and just, I don't know. It's like honing in on how do I learn and what's my interest in this? What's my perspective? You know, I'm very, very drawn to harmonies and a lot, I guess, of music that's whatever. Is there, can you even say on the radio anymore? I feel like that's such a antiquated term on the radio. Oh, on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess there still are radios, but I like, I haven't had a car really you know much much in the last decade or so so i guess that's really the only time i listen to the radio yeah was i, I mean people people, i don't know people listen to a lot of satellite radio in the car a lot less uh local radio yeah satellite radio there you go uh what were you saying you were talking about um, rambling something to do with like oh harmonies yeah. yeah, it just, I don't know. It doesn't seem like, I guess, harmonies and everything, and it's everywhere. I don't, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with it. Maybe because, because I played the oboe. And okay. oboe never had the fucking melody ever. Right. So that's what my ear goes toward. And I think it's really. I don't know. I think harmonics are just so beautiful and they feel good. And I think that they're healing and resonant. And so, you know, I well, found it with that. They, they create notes that don't exist on their own too. They, you know, create overtones and undertones. So but you're That's hearing like more. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is amplified. You're hearing what you don't normally hear. It's like, like visually seeing psychedelically or geometrically, like you're seeing what is there, but people don't normally see. Mm-hmm. Well, you're creating a, a scene, a space for that particular you know, program, that song. So you're, you're essentially doing all the set dressing and all the costuming and everything for that one, you know, four or five minute song. Hmm. I like that. Thanks. What else? Well, I've been asking, you know, musicians or anyone who who seems like they have a handle on music and math about yeah. the tuning system yeah. or the standard tuning for the A note. Mm-hmm. As about a, it? About why is it 440 hertz um as opposed to 
432? Well, I mean, as opposed to anything else, um, I, a couple hundred years ago, it wasn't. You know, everything was tuned a little bit flatter, I guess you could say. But whenever the keyboard instruments started becoming popular, the harpsichord and, and the piano, um, they had to tune them slightly off from each other. So when you're playing, you know, this chord versus this chord, they, they all sound right. I don't know. It's when you're tuning your ukulele, you know, you could probably play a chord and make that chord sound perfectly in tune. And then when you play a different chord, it's slightly off. Mm -hmm. Does that sound familiar? Well, that's kind of what they had to do with the, the piano tuning. And that's why we lean towards 440. Why? Um, that was just whenever they, because everything has to be off slightly for for the chord to work. So if you're playing A440 and then you double the frequency to, so 440 is the amount of hertz or the compression and rarefaction, the wave essentially. So it does that 440 times a second, you get, mm -hmm. you know, A. You mm -hmm. double that to 880 you get the octave above that or if you cut it in half to 220 you get the one below that so it doesn't have to be 440 but that's just kind of what we standardized our tuning to in western music mm -hmm. so as far as i know yeah well that's it's my sort of understanding of it as well um for the sake of tuning an instrument to itself or tuning several instruments together, it obviously is an arbitrary factor. Like as long as they are tuned to each other, they can play together. Right. And, and you had mentioned you'd mentioned playing the oboe. That's actually the instrument that the orchestra tunes to. Right. I know. So So my hence my obsession with with tone and harmonics and stuff. Well, I don't know if you have seen this film. It's a... I can't think if it's animated. It's probably mostly animated. Um, documentary called Sonic Geometry. I have not seen. Oh. It's on, you know, the tubes and I think I saw it on, on Gaia originally. However, I don't think it's on there anymore. But it is on YouTube. Sonic Geometry. And then there's another one called Sonic Geometry 2, I think, which I have not seen. And that one is called... I don't know. They both have subtitles, like something to do with universal harmonics or universal sound frequency. Mm -hmm. The science of frequency, form, and sound. I might be throwing a bunch of words together. Anyway, they're all related. So I watched this film, I think, because my brother, you know my brother, my twin... He sent it to me one day, a couple years ago, and was like, hey, this film's really cool if you're into sound. He and I both are. Um, probably because, you know, in our history, and he's also a musician, um, we, as far as I know, from in the womb and probably before even conception, we were listening to music. My mom is one of those people, and you, you mentioned your mom's, a music teacher, music lover. Um, I know, you know, she always has a piano in her mm -hmm. house and she's, she loves music. Well, my mom does as well. And so she, I guess, has always been one of those people that constantly listens to music. She is constantly listening to music. And I, 
I'm very similar. So is my brother. Uh, so we just kind of came out of the womb musical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, like when I mentioned I played the oboe, he was, he was in the band as well. We're there together. And now I feel like he, you know, he, he took up the mantle of be calling himself a musician long before I did. I was still stuck doing other things, but he knew that I would be interested in this because, you know, it's, I think part of the thing, a huge part of why at least I love music so much is because it's, it's the nerdiest, coolest thing at the same time. It is science and art put together. It's math and, you know, art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just for the geeky part of a person and for the creative artistic side of a person, it just, it melds things together so well. I agree. So long lead up to you need to watch this film if you haven't seen it. Are you familiar with it at all? Sonic Geometry? Uh Uh-huh. I'll have to check it out. Okay. Anyway, it's pretty cool. It goes into the, the numerical side of frequency. You know, well, I mean, not the numerical side of frequency, but just goes into frequency and and how what we hear is a is an auditory representation of what is around us. Of, at all of air moving around us. Of everything moving, yes, around everything else all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes into the math of harmonics and then tuning in... And I guess the 432 hertz, which, you know, at one time was the, what what the A was tuned to for standardizing music. Um, when it was 432 hertz, if, if it is that, if that's what you tune to, you can see in all of the other, like you mentioned, the other octaves. So you double it um, with... You mentioned 440. So if we double 440, we the next one above is 880. The one below is 220. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do that with 432 hertz as the A, there is a grid system that's a factor nine grid that then from there reveals all of the harmonics in a natural like major chord. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do that in any other tuning. And so um, Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. wrote a piece, which again, I'm talking about, I should I haven't read, but um, it's on my reading list. Joseph Campbell wrote a piece called The Mystery Number of the Goddess, I believe, in which his thesis is that 432 is the most important number in human history or something to that effect. And I guess if you look at this factor nine grid of harmonics, the numbers that correspond to, you know, the frequencies that make up that major chord um, are also numbers that are seen in myth throughout the ages in, you know, religious texts 
and other notable, like obviously the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, there are other numbers that correspond with with things in there. So I, like I said, I haven't read it yet. Um, I don't, not sure how lengthy of a piece it is, but um, I don't read anymore, Eric. <laughs> well, no one does apparently. That's, that's why it's still on my list. Well, I just mean I don't. Like I can I consume information, but um, the visual act of reading, like my brain doesn't like to. I guess it never really has processed things that well visually, which is why sound is so important to me. So um, now I listen to things more. So if I can like find a recording of Joseph Campbell himself reading that, that would be sweet. But um, yeah, anyone out there who knows of that, send it this way. There's a lot of Joseph Campbell lectures on Spotify. Um, oh, sweet. I don't I don't know if it's one of those, but yeah. Um, so if everybody just started tuning to 432 standard, what would that change? I don't know if it would change anything. I mean, I think that basically the concept is what it reveals is that like 432 hertz is the, I would call it like a, and I am no expert on any of this, but my feeling about it is that it's sort of like a base frequency of the earth. And... Right. And if everything is fractalized, then it would make sense that that would be the sort of a base point for, you know, everything within and without that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's like it's a natural, like observable frequency of the, the universe, I guess. So I would, I would imagine that if you know, all music were tuned to it, then maybe the energetic field would just be more harmonic, which might be healthier for our bodies. I don't know. Or, or our brains. Maybe. And at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know very many musicians or anyone really that, that, uh, changes their tuning standard as far as uh like the a440 there's a lot of bands that will tune down guitars and stuff like that but it's still all based on you know the original the a so i don't know i don't know it'd be interesting to hear i guess a song now and then tune it down eight cents to 432 yeah i mean i know people who like i know musicians who have done it like for their own personal um, use Prince. Prince did it. Yeah. Um, he talked about it a lot before he died. Uh, that bastard. Anyway, um, and I also know people who who you, like you can get whatever an app to convert everything you listen to to you know that okay frequency. And I have tuned. I've tuned my like acoustic to it i did talk to carol my you know she's my guitar and she sings with me we do a lot of harmonies and i you know had mentioned to her that that i had well i had a tuner that was like a 432 hertz tuner but then i realized that my snark now has like i can just change the frequency on that i didn't know what an idiot anyway uh i mentioned to her that you know we should tune to 432 hertz and see if it brings out our harmonics more because that's what we 
sort of thrive on me. She also played the oboe. How fucking funny is that? Um, you have an oboe she, section in your band now. Oh, God, no. Uh, so we're going to try it next time we get together. We're, we're on a bit of a break since we're not in the same time zone anymore. But one day we'll get together and try it. Well, we'll let you know. Cool. We'll yeah, let me know. Then you'll be able to record both of you guys and mix it and do everything. Yeah, about that. What's the key? Okay, like if you're not interested in hearing about boring recording stuff or um, the like, look away. All right. So can you just give me a very basic for dummies? What is the key in recording? My issue is I can't stand it when it sounds like a small sound in a large room. I want it to sound like a huge sound in a tiny room. How, what is that? How do I do that? Please help me. Uh, well, so if you're, if you're hearing the room, you're probably not in a very dead space. You're probably in a room that's very reverberant. Um, the best thing to do is just some soundproofing for that. So... Assuming I've done all the soundproofing I can possibly do. Are you miking your uke or are you going direct? Direct. And you're still hearing room? Yeah. Well, there's not. No, it's not room. It's just. It doesn't sound like. uh, It just sounds like there's space. Well, I guess what you could do is there's a lot of frequencies that aren't even in the ukulele. So you can just cut everything below. I don't know, 500 hertz out and then you get rid of that rumble and it's just kind of more present. If you're not, there's no music there, just cut out those frequencies. Okay. Because otherwise you're recording the rumble of your microphone and you're, maybe you're getting some of that string noise that you don't need. Mm-hmm. Yep. What if there's no instruments involved? And it's just your voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, get as close to the mic as you can without it distorting and do that in as quiet of a room with, you know, not very much reverberation as possible. All right. Like we're doing right here. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Good tips. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm, I, I wanted, I had hoped to have a new song um, to share with you, but it is not yet done being birthed. Well, perhaps it is when ground. it is done as a podcast, you'll have it finished and you can just throw it in here. Yeah. Do you have a song to throw in? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. What do you want to share? I've been working with other artists lately, so I haven't really been doing a lot of writing. I've got some songs that I've written, you know, a while back that I've recorded, but um, I don't know. I'll think about it since we don't have to share right now, uh, but I will send you something. All right. Huh. Not time-sensitive sharing. Okay. Yep. Just catch a blue. 
driveway It's my lucky day Cause my sweetheart ain't home Whatever should I do first I hit some sour cream and onion Pringles behind the couch She don't know it's there I'm gonna eat my Pringles Sit in my boxers And watch Fox News It's gonna be a Shit. It's been a long day at your job. Uh, yes, it has actually. Working with Brenda, that bitch all day long. Yeah, she's a bitch. What else? Your boss, I, know he's I, I think I have a lot to. <laughs> I have a lot to take back to my little cave and. And edit with. And work on. Oh no, I was just thinking in a purely selfish like oh, okay. what more information can I get out of this person about this topic in which I know nothing. Well, I mean you're doing well for you know, doing it on your own. You have your audio interface and your microphone and your headphones and I mean you got what you need. Now it's just practice. Yeah. If you run into a problem, troubleshoot it. Oh, like life. Well, in recording school, it's called signal flow. So you start at one end and you make your way through and somewhere there's a problem if, you know, if there's a problem and you just, you take the first thing, if that's not it, move on to the next one. What's so, yeah, the like, first like, thing? Uh, whatever your source is, is okay. it your ukulele or your voice or whatever it is. And then it's the microphone or the cable that, you know, is recording that. All the way to the speaker or the headphones. What could be wrong with the cable? Well, cheaper cables don't sound as good. Um, although now, you know, if you go to the store and buy a cable, generally it's going to be all right. Uh, I used to buy them from Radio Shack and they would suck. Um, they could get dirty. Like the tips can get dirty and sound kind of distorted and scratchy. But chances are it's probably not your cable if you just bought the cable. All right. Well, this is actually my first, I think this is the first time I've recorded with the interface at all, but it's also the first uh, sort of Wi-Fi <laughs> web conference I've recorded as well. So there'll yeah. be, a, like I heard you a couple of times where it was like, oh, that's robot dying sound. Oh, well, tech. Well, Love we'll it. Have, yeah, we'll have to go in and uh, clean that part up a little bit. Oh, we will? Well, if you need help, I I can help you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I will, yeah. I don't know if I can change robot voice to normal person voice, but I'm sure you can do some clever editing. Eh, people have heard robot voice before. Like, you know, uh-huh. I, th- I think we'll be all right. And all that is, is our digital voices are just not being processed fast enough. Oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> I mean, they have plugins that do that on purpose, but yeah. Hmm. All right. Cool. I'm going to go back to the, um, well, I'm, I'm coming out of the closet now. <laughs> okay. I have to move. Are you trapped in the closet? I, I'm semi-trapped in here by my mic stand. I'm not going to lie. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Your continued contribution to my musical experience and edification as I always. Hope it, 
I hope it was interesting listening to me. It's always interesting listening to you. Thank you. Hey, yeah. maybe um, can I ask you a um, public question, which you're, you can feel free to answer any way you want. Okay. When we um, get ready to record our song that we're writing right now, yeah, you maybe listen to it and consider, you know, throwing some guitar in there. Sure. Yeah. Get it recorded and send it over. All right. Well, I got to learn it first. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the whole thing that I realize. I got like, I get through this. Well, I'm not even through, but I get to what I hope is the end of the writing process. And I realize all this recording and writing and revision and shit I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And now there's a whole other issue of that. I have to learn the song. I haven't learned it. I've been creating it. I haven't been learning it. And I have like every thousandth version of everything in my head. So now after I finish writing it, I'm going to have to learn it myself. And then I'm going to have to send it to Carol for her to learn. And, you know, the have whole, you, have the whole you written world. it down? Oh, yeah. I have it like okay. you know, right. printed out and stuff. But like, you know, revisions and melody here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm working with this, these guys now and uh, their songs are kind of all over the place as far as like sometimes this verse will have eight bars and sometimes it'll have six. So... Oh, God. We've had to... Basically, <laughs> when I'm recording with, you know, on top of it, you know, I'm recording my tracks, I have to kind of just go, you know, verse by verse. And be like, where's that chord? Okay. Just because, you know, it's not all mapped out. and It's not just kind of standard, you know, four lines, pre-chorus, chorus sort of thing. That sounds like a freaking Eddie Vedder song. He what is? Like that. That, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. just non non uh traditional non-traditional yeah it's not it's not symmetrical no and i mean it doesn't have to be no I it mean, doesn't and i yeah. love you know i like learn when i'm i gravitate toward a song it almost always is one that is has a complex structure and then i'm like why 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 do I like to learn songs that have really complex structures? Well, we like a little bit of the familiar and a little bit of the strange and not too much of either one. And that's generally what makes a good song. Cool. I'm just going to duck out now. Okay. Merrick. You're welcome. Oh, there goes everything crashing down. All right. Some might say insane.